This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I'm the minister up here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Okay, well, talking about a busy summer. I I can't believe how summer can get busier and busier and busier. I've got four kids trying to get things all set up for camp up at Copper Basin Bible Camp. Man. Crazy. So if, if you've been listening to the program these last few weeks, you probably noticed that I, I wasn't doing Titus the last two weeks. I Two things came up. One, I had to go to a funeral. and I had to leave quickly. I, I had forgotten because I was trying to get everything situated. And then last week, I was planning on recording the program. And I don't remember what it was. But I remember I, had a, I got pulled. Oh, it was a move, an emergency move. Somebody needed help uh, an hour away. To help get packed up, they needed to get moved out of that house that day. So myself and one of the elders, Mick, we drove down there and helped this uh, friend of ours uh, uh, move. So this week, I'm here. Of course, today, this morning, my wife is flying out. So I'm trying to get this program uh, uh, squeezed in now, recorded a little earlier than normal. But we're getting it done. Titus chapter 2. We left it off uh, last week, or several weeks ago, we looked at verses... One, two, three, and the first part of verse four. And we'll do a quick little overview of that and come back to where we were and finish out verses one through ten. And as we had said, or as I've said, Titus 2 has been called one of the gems of the entire New Testament. In the first part of that chapter, Paul gave instructions to various groups uh, in the church. He gave his gave this reason for his direction so Christians would adorn the doctrine there at verse 10. Now that's talking, in verse 10, uh, contextually, it's talking to the, the bond slaves. But I, I think that is something that is, you could apply to each group. And so I like saying, adorning the doctrine. And this passage again, like, with first, uh, like from before, it reminds us of passages in 1 Timothy 5, 1 and 2, where Paul told Timothy how to relate to different groups. However, here... Paul detailed how people in each group should conduct themselves. These new converts had grown up in a culture of self-centeredness, lying, and callousness. Their biggest challenge was leading pure, godly, loving Christian lives. Why was it important for different groups in the church to live as they should? Paul was concerned about the impact their lives made on others. And, and so, like, three verses we'll see throughout this uh, passage. One is in verse 5, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Verse 8, so that the opponent will be put to shame. And, of course, verse 10, so that they will adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in every respect. So, uh, let's read verses 1 through uh, 4a and, and do a quick overview, and then we'll jump into the text we're going to be looking at this, this afternoon. But as for you, Paul writes to Titus, but as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, 
sensible, sound in faith, in love, in perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women. And uh, and we'll, the, the rest of that goes to the young women. We'll get to that here in a moment. So the, the quality is there for the, the older men, very similar uh, to the qualities of elders, similar to the quality of the elders. Older women, likewise. So the same that uh, are the, the same that is said for the older men, that's true for the older women. What's being said for the older women, that's true for the older men. They are both to teach and encourage the young women and also the young men, and so on and so forth. And so this likewise, as we see all throughout verse 6, likewise, um, uh, all the way through the, the passage, these things can be tied back to the others as well. So that brings us to our passage. Here's what the older women are to encourage the young women to do. For B, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. Let's jump into it. So here's what they're to teach. Number one, they were to teach them to love their husband. A Christian home starts with a Christian wife and a Christian husband who love one another. Now, what does that mean? How do you love your husband or your wife? Hmm. If you're in the car driving and you say, buy her flowers, you're wrong. <laughs> That's not it. Those are terms of endearment, not love. Not love. This uh, phrase here, love their husbands, comes from not the agape word, but it comes from a, a, a combination of words that means love, phileo love, and andros, man or husband. So it literally means husband lover. So in that day, many marriages were arranged. Young brides often had to learn to love their husbands after they were married. Now today, even in societies where marriages are not arranged, Couples sometimes get married because of physical attraction and then discover they really don't care for those they married. The need still exists then for older women to teach these young women to love their husbands. Now, in this passage, the term for love, again, not agape, that commitment uh, uh, word, it is a love that sees a marriage through the ups and downs, the good times and the bad times. It is essential to a lasting relationship. To the, the love in this context, phileo, which has to do with affection. How can a bride be taught to like her husband, to care for him, even feel affection for him? How? Some older women have suggested that young wives do for their husbands what they would if they already loved them. It has been said, it is easier to act yourself into a new way of thinking than to think yourself into a new way of acting. Do you know what I mean? What, what do I mean by that? 
If you sit there and think, boy, I need to change. I really need to start changing. That's good. That's in your mind that you're thinking that. But until you start acting that out, there are going to be no changes at all. It's just like those who say, I believe, and yet there's no deed to show that. That's not real faith, right? Faith and works work together. Work out your faith. Show it. If you really believe, it's going to make a change in your life. You're going to change. So we need to act it out. So even if you do not love your husband, you act like you do. If you do that, I guarantee you're going to come to love that person. Now, others have emphasized that a young wife should not get so busy that she has no time for her husband. Loving relationships take time and work. Above all, older women can show a young woman what a loving relationship looks like by modeling it in their own lives. Of course, that requires you and the young ladies to be getting together, doing things. My wife Jenny has just started up the ladies' Bible class here at the North Valley Church of Christ. Uh, They've had two classes. The third one comes on Thursday. She won't be here. She's actually out of town. But one of your older ladies, um, Miss Linda, I won't give her last name, she is going to be taking, teaching the class, I think. But I remember, I, I know that when since this class started, the older women have been encouraging Jenny left and right, which is great. She needed it. She was real nervous. So that's really helped her along the way. All right. Second requirement. One sec. Second requirement for a Christian home is mothers and fathers who love their children. Paul said that young women should be taught to love their children. Here's the word translated, love their children, all one word. It's literally children lover, just like the the previous one. Husband lover, here it's children lover. So we know what that love is, right? It's phileo, phileo. Now, some might object to this. They might say, Oh, Chris, come on. Mothers do not have to be taught to love their children. There's a special bond between a mother and her child. It's forged during the nine months, Chris. The child is growing inside her. Well, in response to that, writers note that one purpose of arranged marriages was to produce heirs or to provide children to work in the field. Wives were sometimes considered little more than baby factories. In that setting, it is possible that some women lacked natural affection for the product they brought into being. You see how that could happen? More likely, Paul's instructions were for older women to teach young women what it actually means to love a child. It is more than having warm feelings toward the child. And you, surely, I hope you all, many of you understand that. And it certainly is not a matter of indulging a child, which is a, what a lot of people do. Love my kids so much, I want to give them whatever they want. Giving them anything and everything. Loving includes teaching, disciplining, and caring for the child. It involves loving them for themselves. Not because they are good-looking, smart, or talented, but because they are a gift from the Lord. Psalm 127, verse 3. You know what? Let, let me 
let me go turn it over. I don't. I should have that memorized. Uh, Psalm, what did I say? One twenty-seven, verse three says, "Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward." But man, many people don't think that. In fact, you got. All right, I'm going to take an excursus here. <laughs> you have got women, you know, out there uh, protesting in front of the houses of uh, the. Uh, Supreme Court justices with fake blood in the crotch area ripping babies out of there like an abortion. I've seen women posting on Twitter and other places that they want to have they want to get pregnant just so they can have an abortion. Evil. Totally evil. Do you think they love that child? They want to have abortion legal up to what is it? The first few days after birth? Ugh, disgusting. That disgusts me. So we won't get into that right now, but that is just evil. And it's also not loving your child when you allow them to make decisions they are not ready to make. Well, you know what, Mom? I know I'm a boy, but I think I would like to be a girl. Transgenderism, or becoming a lesbian, or becoming a homosexual. Wrong. Wrong. And I know these these people who do this to their children, they do set boundaries for them. They don't let them do whatever they want. You're going to let that child get up and leave the house at 1 in the morning to go hang out with friends or go take drugs? You're going to let that kid who cannot swim just jump in the pool whenever they want? You are not. No, you won't. You'll go in there and save them. But why? They chose to do it. If they want to drown, let them drown, Right? Of course, I shouldn't say that because I'm sure some moron out there is going to go that far. If a child is not mature enough, let's say, for example, if a child at the year, I shouldn't say child, if a teenager at the age of 18 is not mature enough to own a firearm, okay, a weapon that shoots bullets, then a child who is eight most certainly is not mature enough to make life-changing decisions. That's why they have parents. Ugh. Okay, I better stop. I'm going to get upset. I've been wanting to do a radio program on that. I'm going to. I need to calm myself down from it. It infuriates me, the things that are going out there. Verse 5 of Titus chapter 2. Okay, in this verse, Paul mentioned the quality uh, he included with every age group. Uh, they are to be sensible. Uh, young women are to be sensible. That word that we call common sense. But it is not as common as it should be. He then listened, uh, uh, listed an absolute necessity for Christian homes. So you, they, they are to be sensible. They are to have common sense. You know what? I, I don't want to skip over that. Uh, I was going to because I thought, well, I already did this once. But let's hit it again. What is it? Common sense is... Knowing those things that just make common sense. You are to raise a child. Children don't make their own life choices. You know what a boy is. You know what a girl is. You know what marriage is. You know what mar- that marriage belongs to a man and a woman. Common sense. You don't kill. Okay? You're to be li- living at peace to the best of your ability. Women are to have this. Men are to have this. Children are to have this. Slaves are to have this. We are all to live 
sensibly, with common sense. Next, wives should be pure, which includes purity of thought and modesty of action. In the ancient world, uh, hagnos, that's the Greek word here, was used in the context of sexual purity. Young wives need to be taught to be faithful to their husband, even as young husbands need to be taught to be faithful to their wives. These would have been novel concepts on the island of Crete, where many lived on the level of a beast. Chapter 1, verse 12. Difficult place to be. Even as today, it sounds strange and impractical to those who have embraced what has been called the new sexual ethic. Well, I'm not going to marry this person until I have sex with them, find out if I like them or not. What? Are you serious? Yeah, that's what they do. Uh, in fact, in fact it's, it goes way beyond that. Uh, they'll live with each other before they get married. They want to find out if they can get along. See, they don't believe that they can learn or grow to love anybody they want. They just, no, it's got to already be there. And I want to find out by living with them for a while, for a couple of years. Well, it didn't work out. I'm going to go live with someone else. <laughs> that's not, does not make common sense. All right. Paul next returned to the domestic scene. Workers at home. Uh-oh. Well, let's take a look at this. This phrase is from a compound word, which is formed by uh, by two. One, one part is home or house. The other is work. So workers at home, right? That makes sense. And the role, role consists of carrying out household responsibilities or being busy. The New King James says homemakers. Mothers need to teach their daughters, both verbally and by example, how to be homemakers. Now, those who do not learn the necessary skills from their mothers need to learn them from older Christian women. And that phrase, workers at home, does not mean that a wife cannot have a job. It doesn't mean that. But it does emphasize that she should not neglect her more important responsibilities to her family. Anyone who's been married for at least five years should know by now that there are vast differences in the way men and women think. We think very differently. Whenever a woman comes, or I shouldn't say whenever a, uh, my wife comes to me and begins to you know, unload, maybe she just wants to get it off her chest and, and talks about all these problems she has, she just wants to talk. And I know that. And I know all I need to do is listen. But deep inside of me, I want to fix it. I want to tell her, here's how you fix that. <laughs> but sometimes she may want that. But not, not all the time. Not all the time. She doesn't want me to fix it. She just wants me to listen. But that is so hard. It's so hard. Because I am built to fix things. It's ingrained in me. I know it. God put it there because I'm a man. I fix things. I'm Chris the Tool Man Taylor, right? If you ever saw that show, Tim the Tool Man Taylor? That's, a, that's the way men are. Women are not like that. So we have different roles. Women are much better at nurturing children than men. That's why most of the time, whenever you see these uh, Sunday school classes or you go to elementary school, how many of those uh, teachers in elementary school are men? Not many. They're women. And when they are men, I always find that to be a little weird. <laughs> but there are some, and some can do it, I'm sure. 
but mainly as women. They are more nurturing. Okay. Um, you know, I, I want to also hit on this, that how the home today is under attack from, from many quarters, many, many areas. Some consider the role of homemaker an inferior undertaking and a waste of a woman's time, talent, and potential. As God's people, we need to stand up and let the world know that there is no more important task than making a godly, loving Christian home. And I can prove it. Look at children today. It's getting worse. I I thought children were bad when I was growing up. We were saints, and I was not a good kid compared to the kids today. Oh, man, it is getting bad. If you turn on the TV, see what they're doing and all these uh, very, well, just to put a label on it, the liberal cities and states, they just go in and big groups of teenagers robbing stores, bullying people, jumping on their cars. They don't care. They don't care. What happened? What's going on? They don't have a good family structure, a home, where they were taught to be sensible. See what's happened? Got rid of the uh, workers at home. No one's raising these kids. No one. And so they're just doing whatever they want. So now, uh, we're, we got to get going here. After workers at home, Paul gave a general requirement. Kind. Kind. Uh, this, uh, uh, this is a translation for a word for good. It, it denotes that which is good in its character and beneficial in its effect. So a wife and mother should strive to be kind in word and deed. The worthy woman, uh, the New King James uh, says, opens her mouth with wisdom and her on her tongue is the law of kindness. Proverbs 31.26 And then Paul turned to the young wives' relationship with their mates, being subject to their own husbands. Well, man, what does that mean? Well, being subject is a military term, and it and it meant to rank under or be a subordinate. Some writers labor pretty hard to remove the idea of submission from this word. But it is the same term used a few verses later to describe a slave's subservience to their master. The exception in either case would be if one were told to do something contrary to the word of God, Acts 5.29. Being subject to their own husbands does not imply that wives are in any way inferior to their husbands, nor does it suggest that wives have no rights and should never express their opinions. It doesn't say that. It is a reminder that the husband has been given the obligation to guide the household, and a wise wife encourages him to to the fulfillment of the God-given responsibility. Women are not inferior. Someone has to lead. God chose the men to do that. And you know what? Men, you need to step up and lead. And that's a big problem. We got, in our society, lazy men. Of course, it's just the way our society has been grazing the kids. So our men have become lazy as far as leadership goes. We don't have as many uh, good leaders rising up as before. And why is all this important? Paul said it was 
necessary so that the word of God will not be dishonored, literally will not be blasphemed or spoken against disrespectfully. It is a strange but true phenomenon that unbelievers hold Christians to a higher standard than they are willing to apply to their own lives. If we claim to be Christians and fail to live as we should, it inevitably brings God's word into disrepute. This includes young women who fail to respect their husbands. Okay, so that's the wives. I thought I was going to get all the way to verse 10 today, but we just only got to the the young women as we're up to 25 minutes now. So we're going to have to close things out here. So I will make a note next week. Lord willing, I will get the next section finished. We'll we'll break this up into uh, three lessons in verses 1 through 10. But I encourage you to go back and read this. Look at your life. Compare it to the word of God and what you can do. I promise it won't happen overnight, but if you do the, implement this into your life, if you're struggling in your struggling in your marriage, it will greatly help you. I promise, I guarantee it, it will help you so much. It will be a blessing for you. It'll be a blessing for your your husband and for your children. We, you can do it. It take a look at the word, and if it is something you struggle with and you need a, some more help, won't you come up here to the North Valley Church of Christ? up here in Cave Creek, Arizona. You can find out more about us. Go to our website, www.nvcoc.net. Learn more about us there. I'm going to go ahead and start closing things out with this. Uh, I just want to say one last thing. Copper Basin Bible Camp is going great. We are in the 4th through 6th grade camp right now. I think there's like 33 or 32 campers up there. That's not including the staff up there right now. Next week, we have the Combo Camp. That's junior high and high school. They currently have 43 or 44 campers going up there. And so things are going great. uh, Camp's been going real well. And what a blessing it has been to us. So if you're interested in that, go to CopperBasinBibleCamp.org. And remember, next year, if you didn't make it this year, we'll have camp again, Lord willing. Thank you for being here, and have a blessed day. Sending out to sweep away till she'll dawn the better day. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out, ring it out, ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com.